Season 1, Episode 45, Pete's Podcast, Bible Story Evangelism, 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from body and present with the Lord. Okay, the, the study of the study of the Bible, called hermeneutics, one of the basic principles, well, I say there are three principles, context, context, context. But part of context is who wrote it and who's he writing to. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul usually identifies himself as the writer uh, in, in the first verse or in the beginning of the, the epistle. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, he was chosen of God to be an apostle. He wasn't chosen to be a believer. Nobody's chosen to be a believer. You're chosen, if you're a believer, by the foolishness of preaching it pleased God to save them that believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you think that God is in control, gives you the faith, uh, chooses you arbitrarily, not based on your election of him, our election is based on, on our faith in Him. Or John 3.16 is disingenuous at best. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever He picks should not perish but everlasting life. I, I just find it uh, untenable to my faith in the great and gracious God of John 3.16. For God so loved the world. How could He love the world if, if, if people go to hell? You know, but you say, well, they, you know, yeah, but he didn't choose them to go to hell. He, he did not make robots. Christianity 101. Anyway, I wanted to establish here that, that, that 2 Corinthians was written to believers. So I'll read verse 1 of chapter 1 again. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, who takes the letter probably to, to the Corinthians, unto the church of God, which is in Corinth, with all the saints that are in Achaia. Okay, the saints of God. This is, again, Christianity 101, but you probably don't know it if you're new to Christianity. But the saints, saints are believers. This is written to believers, not the people that somebody identified as saint. God identifies them as saints by their new birth. If you're a believer, you're a saint. I'm a saint. And that's the deal. Grace, verse 2, grace be, grace be to you and peace from our Father. Our Father. This is written to believers who can call God our Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're going to skip to uh, chapter 5. And we're just going to take a look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, 10. First 10 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the verse that, that I memorized and brought me to this section was 2 Corinthians 5, 8. We are confident, I say, Paul says, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Um, when my brother died in May of 1972... I was not a believer, 
and his funeral was otherworldly. I had never been to a funeral before. I had never seen a casket. It was not an open casket, but uh, it was this big black casket. When I walked into the room, it was real finality to me. From one of my siblings, they told me that God, that dad came up to me and put his, my dad came up to me and put his arm around me. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember anybody touching me. I was, I was shook. I know that. 18 months later, my dad died. Six months after my brother had died, I came to faith in the God of John 3.16. I repented of my dead works, Hebrews 6.1, and put my faith in the God of John 3.16, the God that so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever. I said, this is a good God. I needed to know that it was a gift, that I didn't have to work for it because I knew I wouldn't work for it. Whatever promises I made, I wasn't going to keep. So, free gift, I'm in. I repented of my dead works and the whole idea of working my way to heaven. Now, let me just say that in the last, I don't know, since I started these podcasts, I guess, um, I have been overwhelmed by the fact that we are to work, not for salvation, but for for laying up treasure in heaven. This ends, this passage right here ends with the verse, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone receive the things done in his body according to that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. Now, Jesus took care of the bad for the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. So that's taken care of. The judgment seat of Christ is for reward in heaven. It's during the tribulation for the church. Uh, I don't know about the saints before Pentecost, but uh, the church believers were, I know that they were in Abraham's bosom, the believers before Pentecost, to include uh, believers up until Jesus was crucified and rose again on the third day. He led captivity captive and led the people from paradise, a part of Sheol, a spiritual place in the earth. Read Luke 16 if you want to learn about Hades, Sheol. It has a hell part, a fire part. A rich man said, send Lazarus across the gulf to me, dip his finger in water so he can cool my tongue for I'm tormented in these flames. And Abraham said, we can't come to you and you can't come to us. There's a great gulf fixed between then the in the rich man said, I have five brothers. Send Lazarus back to them. They'll believe in Jesus Christ if someone comes back from the dead. And Abraham wisely said, uh, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the Bible. If they don't believe the Bible, they won't believe the one come back from the dead. If Lazarus came back, they would just say, oh, we thought you died. I guess not. Here, have some crumbs under our table. Whatever. Um... Anyway, Lazarus was saved because he was a believer in Jesus Christ. It's the only way that anybody can be saved, Old Testament or New Testament. And um, the rich man was lost not because he was rich. Talk about rich. King David was, he saved all the gold and silver to build a temple. There was a lot of gold and silver in the temple. And he had saved it all. 
But God said, I'm going to go with Samuel. I'm going to go with Solomon, your son, because you have killed a whole lot of people. You got a lot of blood on your hands, and I, uh, I'm going to pass on you building the temple, the house of prayer. Anyway, um, so we're going to take a look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. I just read verse 10 for you. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, for that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether they're good and bad. But again, we're not judged. Our judgment for the bad, loss of reward in heaven. Maybe you don't have as much riches. Maybe you don't have any riches. That's another passage I should take a look at. Um, but if you build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, wood, hay, and stubble, and, and you have no gold, silver, and precious stones, you'll be saved, yet so as by fire. You'll suffer loss. So, anyway. But then, again, I go back to the thief on the cross. He was a believer for, oh, a few hours maybe, before he, maybe a couple hours, before he was in uh, paradise with Jesus. This day you'll be with me in paradise. I think God's pretty accurate when he comes to, to that kind of timing. And they spent three days there. And on the third day, he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And he said, he passed Mary Magdalene, said, don't touch me, I'm not yet risen to my father. So he led captivity captive to heaven, which would be all the saints in paradise. And then he came back and allowed people to touch him and and this was a big day for, for God, I think. I don't know if he has big days or not. But, but all these saints came to live with him, no longer in paradise, but in his presence. And today we're absent of body and present with the Lord. And that's exactly what this Paul is teaching the Corinthians here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he starts off, For we you and I, know that our, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, he's poetically speaking of his body, where we live, part of our trinity. It's not us, but we live, we live in it. As a friend of mine said one time, you could cut off my finger, and that's not me. I mean, it is me, but... Uh, Anyway, if you kept, we live inside this house. He, funny line, I thought it was funny. He said, if you keep whittling, you'll get me. But anyway, you'll, 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 I don't know, it was dumb. Shouldn't have said that. For we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, and that's pretty accurate, really. I mean, that's what happens. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. So God made Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he made Eve out of a rib. And anyway, so um, if this if we if we died, I think is what he's saying. For we know if the earth if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, if we lost our body due to death, death the first death is separation from your body, which dissolves, and second separate is from God. That second death is the one you want to avoid by trusting Christ as your Savior. 
we have a building of God. We have another body, a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Verse 1, one down, nine to go. But it's saying that we have uh, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And in my Father's house are many mansions. I, are those metaphors for our bodies? I don't know. Maybe we can fly. I don't know. Jesus, when he came back with his resurrected body, he could go into locked rooms. He could appear, disappear. Uh, I, anyway. Um, whatever. I, I, I think he did pretty good with this body. I will praise thee for I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Psalm 139. Okay, let's go on to verse 2. For in this, i got to read verse 1 again. For we know that if, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. We're not, we're not happy. There's a part of us that is not happy. And earnestly desiring... Have you ever earnestly desired for something? Really wanted something? Well, that's where Paul is about this. And he says, for this we groan. So the Corinthians were groaning with them. Some of them were. And am I really groaning to be with God? Not really. I don't think life would be worth living if you felt that way. But, but, but we do look forward to it. For this, for in this we groan. Maybe I'm not mature enough to groan for eternal life. I already have eternal life. I, I groan to have opportunities to share my faith. Like Paul, that's what he prayed about. Paul didn't pray, take me to heaven, you know, as soon as possible. Present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. So even if you're suffering, uh, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So, with food and clothing, be content. But it sounds like the 144,000 don't even have that. They, they have the mark of the beast and they can't, uh, they can't buy or sell. Um, they have the seal of the beast in their forehead. I guess he gives it to everybody that will take it. But but that's a copy of the 144,000 have the seal of God in their forehead, which becomes a target, as I've said before. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven, with our eternal body, which is going to be a, a kind of an upgrade, I think. Verse 3. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. I'm not exactly sure where he's going with that, but I guess, a, a, you know, we, they always talk about spirits, how they want to be clothed. I mean, demons, uh, the, 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 the demons that were in, legion, that were in the, the herd of swine, asked Jesus not to just cast them out into the sea, but cast them into the swine uh, that ran into the sea and died. But anyway, um, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but uh, so being that if verse three, if so that be that being 
clothed, we shall not be found naked. Verse 4, for we are in this tabernacle, for we that are in this tabernacle, this body, is what he's talking about, metaphorically likening our body to a tent, do groan, being burdened. So he's really a mature Christian because he really wants to be with the Lord. But he also knows that it's more needful for him to be here and to write these words and, and leave them for the church. Being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life. To me, that's the most encouraging verses in the Bible. Um, that mortality, that death might be swallowed up in life. I started off by this, this chapter. I was trying to, to tell you why, why um, the, the verse is so important to me. Uh, therefore, uh, I'm sorry, verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent body present with the Lord. I talked about the death of my brother and I had no spiritual awareness whatsoever. I was totally, I, I was just, I just was very angry with God. Let me put it that way. I, I used the word hate because that's pretty much the way I felt. And I told him as much. My house was very sad. The days just kind of mixed together with me. I think it was a Saturday night that we got the call. My brother was at missing in action. I told my parents when they came home from a wedding. I never saw such grief. And when I woke up in the morning, uh, I had to realize that, that Dan was gone. And, and I know that because I had to do that with my wife for a long time. And still I dream about her. We dream mostly right before we wake up and I dream about her a lot. And, and sometimes I talk. I don't, anyway, it's, uh, it, well, never mind. Okay, because I think she's still there. You know, I may answer a question or something like that. And it could be her, it could be somebody else. But it's, I'm a student of my dreams, I guess. Um, okay, so now he, okay, that, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. I'm just saying the difference between my brother's funeral when I didn't know anything about the Lord and my dad's death, and I was away at West Point when I got the word that my, my dad had died. And I should have known it, but I was... 19 and, and not very bright. I know that when I signed into the company, uh, Captain, my, my tactical officer said, how's your father? And I said, fine, sir. Two words, fine, sir. And that's, you know, I, first of all, I didn't want to talk to the tactical officer. And second of all, uh, didn't want to talk to the company commander. But um, anyway, I just, I was pretty much in denial, I think. It was, it, I was stunned when I was told my, my father was gone and passed away, I think was the words that were used. I, I said it felt like somebody hit me in the chest, like I guess I exhaled, which by the way, we can do very quickly. I know from my wife being a music teacher, a choral director, you can exhale your breath very quickly or you can exhale it very slowly when you sing. But anyway, um, I, I think I lost all my breath very quickly. Anyway. 
Um, but the difference between my brother's death and my dad's death was night and day. And when I got to Arlington for the funeral, I saw, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I saw a, a, a bouquet of flowers from my class, class of 1977 from West Point, and it, and it had the verse, um, I am the resurrection life, he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And that's a great verse for a funeral. And, uh, but my, the, Jack Weaver, the guy that led me to Christ, he's absolute body and present with the Lord now, but he wrote me a letter, and at the bottom of the letter he quoted this verse, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. So he wrote, I think, just 2 Corinthians 5.8. But that, you know, the letter, I'm sorry, you know, all the condolences and all that stuff, but that verse, that just jumped off the page and gave me such peace because I really felt like I did not hate God. I've never hated God since I've been born again, never. All I've ever done is in a time of need, like with the loss of my wife, ask for help. And he has helped. And this helps. These verses help. That mortality might be swallowed up in life, verse 4. Now he that hath wrought made us for the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of his spirit. I talked about this before in verse 5. I, I skipped over that verse. Verse, the earnest of the spirit. I've, I told you when I talked about it before, twice I've paid earnest money. Once was when my wife and I bought our trailer. Another time was when we bought our uh Ford Aerostar, and uh, she was stay-at-home mom, pretty much. I think she was teaching music part-time, and uh, like one day a week in a Christian school. But um, so money was tight, and uh, but we uh, we saw we wanted an Aerostar, we wanted a, a minivan, we wanted we were using. Uh, a couple of pretty old cars. This was 89. I, the last car I'd bought was in 77. So uh, we, we needed a new car. And we were really looking forward to using it in ministry because you could fill it up with kids. Back in the day, they weren't so strict about how many kids you put in a car. But anyway, um, but they asked me for earnest money then. I said, okay, we'll pay this. Out the door, we'll pay this price. Taxes, tag, whatever you want to do, the number's got to come out to this amount. I can't remember what it was. The guy said, okay, I'll take this offer to my boss, but I need to take your credit card and I need to run off $100. Because if we come back and, and we meet your price, if you change your mind and want to pay less, we get to keep the 100 bucks. It's called earnest money. So again, like I said before, uh, that if, if 
um, verse 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Now he that hath wrought or made us for the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given to us the earnest of the Holy Spirit. And earnest in a deal means that if, if God goes back and says, ah, well, I wanted you to give, you know, more money or I wanted you to do this, that, and the other thing. And I'm going to, well, I, I thought you said it was uh, not by works of righteousness, which we had done, but according to your in mercy, you saved us. I thought I was saved by your mercy, not by my works, not by works of righteousness. For by grace you saved through faith, that not of yourselves a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I, 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 what, what happened to that? And he goes, well, I changed my mind. Well, okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to take your Holy Spirit with me to hell. And it's not going to be hell anymore. Flowers are going to start growing. I don't know what's going to happen to hell when I take the Holy Spirit there. But, and anyway, um, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So it sounds like I'm taking God to hell with me. And God is the absent. The second death is absent from the Lord. First death is absent from your body. Very sad, but time heals. And we hope that, that we'll see him again. And um, we, we look for that hope. And that hope is a little iffy because we're hoping they trusted Christ, not that God loved them or not that God would have saved them or could have saved them or whatever. The hope is in that they trusted Christ as their Savior. But uh, we're responsible for ourselves. And uh, anyway, um, so you're reading this to yourself, so hopefully or you can hopefully you can read it for yourself because this is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Okay, verse 6. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, when I read that, I think, what about, I have the Holy Spirit. I'm kind of with the Lord. But I think our presence with the absent body, present with the Lord, we will know Him as we are known. We will see Him face to face. That's a little different than the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I trusted Christ. I didn't feel anything. But, um, you know, and I, I said that to the guy. I said, hey, I don't feel any different. I didn't see any fireworks. I didn't hear any bells. So if that means I'm not saved, just let me know. And he said, it's not a feeling. Some days you'll feel good, some days you'll feel bad. But if you trusted Christ your Savior, you're going to heaven. I go, okay, we got that taken care of. Because I thought I was going to fall on the ground and start rolling around and foaming at the mouth or something. Nothing happened. Anyway, all right. Um, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, faith by definition, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So it's just part of faith is that we don't see it. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I haven't seen heaven. I haven't seen Jesus. I haven't felt the Holy Spirit. I haven't whatever. But I'm very confident because of God's Word. And I walk by faith in God's Word. My faith is in the God of John 3.16. Without the Word, I would know nothing about God. But what I do know about Him, I think there's this, this the greatest God that could possibly be. The God of John 3.16. For God so loved 
the world, everyone, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, have right now, everlasting life. I, as Hulk Hogan said, uh, that was just too good of a deal to pass up. Hulk Hogan, my wife used to take Hulk Hogan to uh, Youth Ranch uh, in Tampa, where the president of my Bible college when he was younger was the youth director, um, Hank Lindstrom. And uh, he wrote, Hulk Hogan wrote a book, it's on my shelf right here. Um, and my brothers-in-law are, are mentioned in there, they were friends. That, and he played guitar there, he went a couple of years in junior high. But he got into a rock band and he got into wrestling and uh, then he made the mo Rocky movie and uh, that's where his, his uh, fame took off. But it's an interesting book. He was the number one asked in the 90s. At the end of the 90s, he was the number one requested make-a-wish guy. And he would go in there, read his book. He would go, he'd go to the parents and talk to them as Terry Bollet and he would say, for Terry Bollea, uh, my he, he changed his name at some point the way he pronounced it because he was when he was in Tampa he was known as Terry Bollea, but anyway he uh, or my brother's-in-law didn't know how to pronounce his last name I don't know, but anyway um, he would go to the parents and say look I'm going to go in there as Hulk Hogan, you know because that's what the kid knows and that's what he wants, and. Uh, and he would, he would bust in there and say, hey, man, I hear you're my number one fan. You know what I'd like to do right now? I'd like to wrestle you, but I've got to wrestle the Hulk. I mean, I've got to wrestle the Sheik or whatever, uh, some bad guy. And, um, and they have good and bad guys in wrestling. And, and Hulk's been a bad guy. I mean, he gets cast as different things. But at this time, he was a good guy. And he... Um, he said, you know what, I don't want to wrestle you right now because i got to wrestle this really, really bad guy. And uh, I want to, you know, and then i got to leave town right after that and I won't be back for a while. I want to, you know where we could wrestle? We could wrestle in heaven. The clouds would make it real soft. Do you want to wrestle me in heaven? And the kid would say, yeah. And these make-a-wish kids, they kind of know what's going on. And they said, Hulk, I would love to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. And he said, well, you know, all you got to do is just say, you know, just talk, to, just talk to God about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He'd give him the gospel. It's a free gift. The one that he'd heard and the one that he said was just too good of a deal to pass up. Some people call it easy believism. And some people, tell that to somebody in a country where they'll kill you for becoming a Christian. Tell them it's easy believism. Tell it to the martyrs for the faith that it's easy believism. Just because it's easy for us, we're the workers that came at the 11th hour and had it pretty easy. Didn't have the heat of the sun. But there are going to be people that it's not easy at all to trust Christ. But you can do it privately. You don't have to make a big deal about it. But... Uh, try to stay alive, run for your life, um, depending on where you are when you hear this or when you hear this. 144,000 says, don't even, if you're on your roof, don't even go in for your jacket, just go. Just run. Anyway, um, verse, uh, 
5.8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent of body and present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor. Okay, we, as believers, we should labor. Uh, you don't have to. It's not of works. But you're going to be judged by your works. And it's going to talk about where? Right here. In the judgment seat of Christ. Wherefore we labor, and whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of Him. This is not talking about working to get into heaven. It's talking about being rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Because the very next verse says, verse 10, the last verse I'm going to read, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Lay up treasure in heaven, where moth and rust did not corrupt. Lay up treasure in heaven. There's, you know, everybody runs a race, but not everybody wins. Run to win the crown, the martyr's crown, this crown, that crown. And I think there's real good evidence if you're, if you're into casting crowns. Yes, they're cast in the presence of the Lord. But when you're ruling your ten cities, uh, the ten cities on this giant planet with a 1,500 mile high building on it, read about the new heaven and the new earth. And, you know, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to always be in the presence of the Lord. And, um, but you put your crown back on. I think there's good evidence for that in the Old Testament. But, um, for, okay, I said I'd read it last time. You should have known that wasn't true. Verse 10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive. We, we, the believers, the saints, that this is written to, the church that it is written to in Corinth, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Could there be unbelievers in church? Absolutely. We'll let, you know, the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the, the weeds, let just wait till harvest. They'll be separated at harvest. The sheep and the goats will be separated. Goats unbelievers, sheep believers. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive what is done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The judgment seat of Christ is for the church, for the believers from Pentecost to the rapture. With the rapture hasn't happened, so that puts us in that category. If you're listening to this after the rapture, your judgment uh, for is, is well Israel's being judged during the tribulation and that's rough I mean I'm, I'm reading that in a in a uh, Bible that that uh, puts all the gospels together I forgot what it's called some some kind of gospel but uh, where you where you put the gospels every you know if you're reading uh, Matthew 24 you're reading mark 13 at the same time which is the the uh, Beatitudes and and, and the different in different Gospels are recorded from a different perspective. But anyway, it's a it's a uh, what's it called? It's called a uh, I can't remember it, where they put the put everything together. And there's some skill to that and finesse to that and and some commentary or extra biblical ideas that might go into that. He might not have it perfect. And he even says that in the in the beginning of the the Bible that is written in order as things happen. That would be a chronological Bible, maybe a chronological gospel where they happen as they, ha you know, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all should be taxed, whatever. Um, 
It starts with the ministry of John the Baptist is the first thing that happens that was... But no, it starts with the Annunciation of Christ. And, and maybe it starts with John the Baptist where he was born six months before Christ was born, I, I think is where that starts. But anyway, um, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body, whether it be good or bad. So the five judgments are Christ on the cross. That's the only one that's happened. The, the judgment of Israel during the tribulation and during the tribulation, uh, the judgment of the church in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage feast of the Lamb, the Bema seat, the reward seat. Judgment there is like judgment in the Olympics. It's not for punishment, but for reward on how well you ran the race. Um, then we have the judgment of the nations at the end of the tribulation. So during the tribulation, three of the five judgments take place. The judgment of Israel on the earth uh, during the tribulation, uh, the judgment seat of Christ in heaven during the tribulation, and at the end of the tribulation, so in, in the seven years of the tribulation, three judgments take place, is the judgment of the nations, the sheep and the goats. The goats, the sheep, hear my voice and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. You shall, man, get it, become a sheep by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And yes, they looked out for the 144,000. They did it under the least of these, my brethren. But it's not works for salvation. That's what my dad hit me with when I came home. Oh, we got to you know, feed the poor. We got to visit people in jail. We got to do this. We got to clothe the naked. We got to do all this stuff. And I'm going, Dad, when do you do any of this? I didn't say that. I said, you're right. Yeah, that's what I was taught. Seemed like that was the famous favorite sermon we heard it many, many times. Do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Jesus is not in the habit of calling people brethren that aren't born again. And these, he's pointing right to them. They're there at the judgment seat of, at the, at the great, at the judgment of the nations. The nations being the 200 nations that are present uh, during the tribulation. And there's, from every nation, there's believers. And those live on into the millennium, and the lost, the unbelievers, are cast in the lake of fire with Satan, and bound. Satan's bound for a thousand years, and then at the end of the thousand years is the judgment for all the unbelievers, for punishment in hell, which I'm I'm kind of in favor of. You know, I think Adolf Hitler should get, you know, maybe a little worse punishment than than other people, but um, people that almost trusted Christ but didn't, I don't know. Good people that didn't trust Christ. There's none righteous, no, not one. And whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. But still, I do think there's degrees of punishment in hell. And if you don't trust Christ, some of you will find that out. Uh, I guess believers will be with the Lord at the, uh, at the great white throne, which will be sad, but sad for him too. Israel, Israel, I would have taken you under my wings, but you would not. If you would not, you're going to be in the same boat. Would not what? Trust in the God of John 3.16. I'm not asking, I don't think he's asking too much. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's yours. It's a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I just hope that this doesn't come back void. Um, 
Yesterday I was talking about praying for people that have committed sins not unto death and people that have committed sins unto death. Um, not, don't pray for them. And, and I said, well, you know, I really can't pray for people to trust Christ because that's, a, that's the only sin unto spiritual death, the death that really ma matters. Physical death is not that big a deal. Unless you haven't trusted Christ, then immediately you're absent body and not present with the Lord, but you're absent of body and absent from the Lord. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. When we die, we're absent of body and present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, whether absent or present, we be accepted of Him. Again, that's after we're saved, we should be working. Not to be saved, but because we are. To be accepted of Him. To be to show our appreciation for what He did for us in paying for our sin on the cross. Okay, well, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to say adios, which is Spanish for to God. And I'm going to say vaya con Dios, go with God.